Money. Like so many other aspects of our lives, our money seems to be on a collision course with technology. But if you think about it, money is technology, and it always has been. Even when we used beaver pelts and wampum in exchange for food and shelter, those were simply the cutting-edge technologies of the time. Whether it was made out of paper and silver, or ones and zeros, money is simply a metaphor for the things we value. But now, the trust we put into our money is being challenged. From cryptocurrency to digital payment systems to neobanks, our money is less visible, more digital. Does that mean it's less safe? More at risk? That's today on The Q Factor. Welcome back to The Q Factor. I'm Greg Fisher. On every episode of The Q Factor, we look at a different corner of the world through the lens of data. How quantitative thinking is revolutionizing every aspect of our lives. My guest today is Matan Parnas. Matan is the VP and head of Global Risk and Data Sciences for PayPal. PayPal is a legendary tech company founded in 1999 and now boasting 277 million active users. PayPal is at the forefront of transforming our money into ones and zeros. All of this puts Matan and PayPal at the center of the global conversation around the digital future of money and the risks and the rewards that that transformation contains. Here's our conversation. Matan Parnas, thank you so much for being here on The Q Factor. Sure. So this podcast series, The Q Factor, it's all about data and how it's changing the world. What is this data telling you about in terms of how payment processes are changing around the world? You know, there's so many people that seem to be using electronic payment systems these days versus writing paper checks. Maybe I write one check every three months now. What are the big stories about payment habits around the world that the data is telling you overall? Right. So first of all, anecdotally, I haven't used checks for many, like for a long time. But then moving to the U.S., I found myself writing checks <laughs> uh, for rent and for my, my uh, you know, cleaning person. And I said, like, guys, we need to move on, right? Listen, your question, I don't know when is the last time you've been in China uh, but you've probably couple heard, years ago. Yeah, probably heard it. I have a big team in China, uh, an amazing team. And whenever you visit there, I think you stop asking those questions. You see the digital economy in full power. Yeah, I was uh, sorry to interrupt. I was uh, doing some research on you know this coffee company over there, Luxion, that came out. That's sort of the competitor to Starbucks, and reading all about how uh, there's no way to use money there at all. There's nobody to talk to when you order your coffee. It's like completely robotic and yeah. electronic payment systems. And I was, I was thinking about this conversation as it relates to that. Yeah. And they are using the, their wallet, you know, the, the widget or the Alipay. They are using it tens of times a day. It's a lot about making it easy for them, right? The one touch of PayPal, which, you know, makes it, you don't need password, you don't need anything. You, you just one click and you pay has been taking off so quickly and so deeply. And we see this in the behavior that people appreciate when it's easy and when they have a trusted partner. I was in Cuba recently with friends of mine and I was using uh, another automated payment system. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was, I guess, about a year ago. And I was there on vacation and, you know, I was with a friend of mine and he paid for dinner. 
So I owed him like a hundred bucks or something like that. So I I sent him payment of a hundred dollars right there. And in the remarks, I wrote the word Cuba. Yep. You know, and within seconds, I was totally shut down, locked out, emails, phone calls. I guess someone was looking for the word Cuba as like a possible red flag. I wish somehow they would have known I was a good actor and that it was okay. You're, you're, You're completely right. When I joined the PayPal and joined the risk team eventually, there was a clear concept, which is true for all risk organizations, especially in financial organizations. It's about the DNA was, is to find the bad people. And that's the whole machine learning data people are trained to do it. Everybody's looking for the bad folks. Yeah, and we came, again, after an acquisition, PayPal acquired a, a company in, in, in Tel Aviv. And we came with a different approach which says, hey, let's identify the good people because good people are easier many times to identify because they leave traces. They leave small breadcrumbs that you can collect into a picture and understand their behavior. This is where we believe, I started explaining before, this combination of it's not just machine learning, it's also a story-based approach. I want to know why have you paid this person a hundred dollar and wrote Cuba? Like th- this is where we combine this methodology of that we call story based. People actually look at accounts and try to understand what was the behavior of a good person here yes. that has been accidentally stopped, and how can we automate the fact that this is a good person? So let's just say I want to predict what a good actor is. You know, a good person who's not doing any fraudulent activities. Yeah who's not stealing from anyone, who's uh, sort of, you know, operating with the best of intentions in the PayPal system. And I have all this data for 20 years to go back and look at and probably other data as well. So I want to predict what does a good person look like? Now I know what I want to predict. So now I can go back into all of this data and look at thousands of data points to try to understand what are the hundred or a thousand or many factors that might help me to predict who the future good actors are? Right. So... Is that correct? That's correct. And we're predicting if you're good even before you did any activity on PayPal. So once you're a PayPal customer, you've been acting with us for a few years, then it's easy, right? And we also can identify if somebody managed to take your account credentials. But think about it. When you sign up for PayPal, I can already, I know so much about, like you said, from these 20 years of history, about what does your CCB, the first six numbers of your credit card, what do people that have those six be, you know, th- that kind of credit card, wow. which type of credit card, are you in a, a black or a VIP or a, or a regular, and what did we see in the past, where do you work, what is this IP, we have a lot of IP intelligence, we have a lot of data points, like you said. Before you even sign up. Before you even signed up. What are, in your view, the most exciting things PayPal is planning, if you can talk about them, uh, with machine learning and also artificial intelligence? You know, when you look forward, what are some of the real exciting things you guys are working on? Sure. So again, we've been pioneering the usage of machine learning in fraud. And I want to s- say something from the, this domain, because again, this is a more tenure domain, but still yes. exciting things are happening. 
And it's also a constant war. Fraudsters, so they have their also machine learning and capabilities, and they are they have their nice offices as well, and they, you know, right. quarterly targets, and we need to. These are the criminals of the current modern day. Yeah, I, you know, I think there are, there are not going to be any car thieves in why the next bother, year. Right? Well, yeah, why bother? Why get uh, you know sun Bad and sharp yeah, ratio? Exactly. <laughs> so those are getting stronger and stronger and more complicated. So we need to get stronger and stronger. And, and I just want to share that uh, you know we definitely are excited and continue pushing the boundaries there. The areas that I'm personally very excited is all about customer support. There is so much we can do. And again, think about efficiencies, think about customer experience. We as a company that knows a lot about what are you doing, especially on, on the PayPal ecosystem, 80, 90% of the times we know why you, you, you call customer support. And by the way, we also know that you're going to call customer support. Now that's interesting. So again, this is where we are working very hard to improve the customer experience, bring a lot of machine learning into it, finding the last mile, how to make it happen. And it's not just chatbots and voicebots, which you know other players are doing. It's more than that. It's identifying those pain points that are going to happen for you or just happened and being able to automatically help you or just even proactively call you and make sure that you are, you know, taken care of. So thinking about the data, what you may have learned about how different generations are thinking about this, I'm guessing this is something that you guys would have looked at. So someone who's 18, 15 versus 75. Yeah. I know uh, one of my family members who I'm super close with who's, you know, baby boomer in his early 70s. And when I uh, started to encourage him to use some of these payment systems, he fought and still fights me on it. Yeah. You know, he doesn't really believe he's getting the money when it shows up in his account. Another uh, investor and friend of ours I was spoke, speaking with the other day who works at a, one of the large tech companies who's uh, in her late 20s, a bit of a data scientist herself, and she was just talking about how her generation, you know, doesn't buy as much stuff. You know, that her, their whole thinking around financial freedom is to not be a big consumer. So mm. I wonder, like, is all this stuff true? Do you find that, you know, people in their 20s are buying less stuff? Do you find that the baby boomers are a little more skeptical and maybe they're spending more? I mean, are, is there something to learn about what people are doing based on all the data you have? Right. I will say that we see... You know, PayPal owns Venmo, and you, you see the data there as well, right? That the way the young generations share what are they doing with their financials and why are they spending money is, I think that's the key difference to the extent that we, you know, if you analyze the emojis and uh, what they share, like I, I think like a big amount of Venmo transaction have a, a social aspect to it, right? a social line that says, what, what did they do or for what is it? I was wondering why I was getting those because yeah. I see sometimes on my Venmo right. that like my one of my wife's friends is paying someone else and somehow I'm seeing it. I must have that setting. And I'm like, why is she telling me that she's paying her for, you know? Right. So from that, you can learn a lot. And this is a type of, a, by the way, orthogonal data that you just didn't have before because our generations, you know, money... We don't want to say anything, right? Even right. if we use the electronic uh, digital version, it's we, we won't share any information. We and, didn't talk about sex and we didn't talk about yeah. money. And Now they exactly. talk about both, no problem. Now, So I think that's the main 
difference in what we see in the young generation data and how they feel about data. And, and, and again, it, it also helps us to give them better experience as well. I read a stat recently, this is not perfect because there's some adjustments you have to make, but I think the median income on the planet is about 10,000 US dollar equivalent. So, you know, the, isn't that amazing? So the average person in the world, this is the median person in the world has about $10,000 a year of gross income. Obviously there's lots of people with less and so on. And a lot of these folks haven't really had access to banking and financial services, but I think your organization, PayPal, and others around you are making this more possible. But right. it comes with probably a lot of risk, different political issues and regulatory issues. And just wondering like where you see that going. I, I see it as a very exciting thing for the rest of the world. And I think that it probably hopefully continues this trend we've seen globally over a while now of lifting more people out of poverty and giving them more right. opportunity. Right. I'm completely with you on that. It's, a, it's very exciting. I give it as an example, but when we opened PayPal in um, Kenya or, you know, a few years back, it's like suddenly in a minute, you know, 30 million more people wow. have access to a digital world, can skip, you know, a lot of people on the way that takes money for them to sell something yes. and makes it so much even for the world. I get excited from it every time. Me too. And that's a, a really exciting thing to be a part of in terms of the impact that you and others around you can make. Does that also lend itself to not only giving people an opportunity to transact, but you know, what about other things like loans for businesses or giving people an opportunity to invest, you know, this micro lending or some of these other yeah, things yeah. that are going on? Is that part Super of the discussion? Super exciting. And uh, we, my team is playing a big part of it. We just announced a few weeks ago that PayPal passed the 10 billion uh, loan, you know, giving 10 billion of loans to small businesses. Wow. Um, that's amazing. And, you know, I think that this is where you also, you talk with those merchants and you feel how you make a difference for them. In a few clicks of a button, they get this working capital that allows them to increase their business and make it work. And really, instead of days or weeks and going to a few mil multiple uh, financial services without getting the loan, that's an amazing. And that's, a, again, oh, yeah. this is where machine learning plays a role because as many data points as you take and with the network that PayPal has across the globe, you can better evaluate the likelihood of this working capital getting back to you or not. That's right. Yeah, like sort of double-clicking on that I would imagine that <laughs> as this continues and you get more involved in the emerging markets or other economies, you'll have more data on people's behavior. Right. And maybe that creates an environment where many people around the world feel more or less comfortable lending to certain people or investing right. with certain people. Right. Um, I could just imagine how that continues to develop. And again, even more data to analyze, more things to think about, more questions to right. ask and answer, which is right. exciting. I was with a friend of mine the other day and uh, he said, you know, he sold a home and he got the proceeds from the sale of the home. And he deposited them in his local bank. He sort of walked from the lawyer's office where he had the closing with a check. Mm -hmm. 
then walked over to the bank and deposited the check in his bank. And within a few seconds, he got an advertisement for a very expensive sports car, hmm. asking if he had an interest in buying one. Yeah. I mean, is that the bank selling his data to an automobile company or is something else going on? Or did they follow him around and know where he was and maybe like looked at his email and knew, like how did, how did that happen? Was right. it a coincidence or do you think that was perfectly planned? Good question. It could be any of the above <laughs> or maybe a coincidence. This is what I call a moment of truth. If yes. you, this is maybe where you, you stop trusting your financial place if you just did that. So people need to think about, you know, the implications. And we have a trend in machine learning and AI is about responsible AI, right? And that's an example where it's a great question, right? Yes. And if you didn't clearly ask the customer, can you do it? And we are, we are asking ourselves all those questions. And PayPal is very clear not to cross any privacy, you know, and be according to the regulation and... That's what we do. Makes sense. I, I thought to myself when he explained this, first I thought, wow, that's brilliant. But then I quickly went to this other place where I said, yeah, no, actually it's, it's not so brilliant because if they knew this person, they would know that he would never buy a sports car <laughs> like exactly. that. So actually, um, you know, they did a really great bad job. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> like, uh, it would be much smarter if they can identify something that doesn't look expensive, but <laughs> now it's the right time to offer. Exactly. Right? You, you, can, you can improve this algorithm so much, and this is where it becomes so exciting because there is not a bottom to the complexity that machine learning and prediction can go. Thinking about fraud and obviously crime, yeah. something you think about a lot. A lot. Is there like a quick tip you could give our listeners, you know, what should they not do or what should they be on the lookout for? Now, I know there's lots of things, but if, you know, you went back and you analyzed all these factors over the last 20, 30 years of data, you know, what's the one or two things like you just should not do this or be on the lookout for that? <laughs> uh, my answer will be very basic uh, because there are many things you cannot control. So you cannot control if there is a data breach to a big company, but you can control if you gave your credentials to uh, many, many small companies, right? You can control it. And that's where, you know, you're putting yourself into more risks. You can control if you open the suspicious email from uh, someone who looks like a financial player and put your credentials there. That's things you control. And I must say that anecdotally, two days ago, I, I got a call of someone offering me 20% discount on my uh, electricity bill. I got that too. Yeah, and it's a fraud. It's clearly a fraud. You know, I was curious because I started asking them, so what do you need? Say, hey, we need your account. We need the, Yeah, we just need uh, your social yeah, security yeah, number. Just, <laughs> and guys, don't do that. Right. You know, so th there are things you cannot control. If somebody tomorrow, had, uh, you know, like the eBay data breach or something, okay, but try not to uh, spread your financial information too much. Try not to open the basics, right? Open sure. suspicious emails or answer sus suspicious phones. Uh, that's, that's typically not the way uh, big companies work. Well, Matan, thank you so much for joining us on the Q Factor today. I really enjoyed this conversation. We have a tradition on the Q Factor called the three Qs. These are three questions we ask every guest, no matter what their background 
So the first question, broaden your mind beyond finance and risk. Where do you see big data having the biggest positive impact on the world over the next 10 years? So again, being in my role, I would say all across, but personally, I'm excited from the healthcare area and the medication area. You know, the fact that even the best doctors today, right, they see thousands of patients and sometimes they are tired when they see it. And really, we, we, we can use millions and billions of data points to identify initial start of a disease, what's the best treatment. And I, I'm very excited from where big data will play here. A lot of challenges and regulations and big players that needs to come together, but eventually impacting our all of us, the quality of life. Very important. And uh, yeah, I think that's clearly an area that could use some innovation. So now the flip side, what aspect of the world do you see as being the most threatened by big data over the next 10 years? So I would say something which is not a specific vertical, but rather I think the I call it the diversity or the autonomy of thinking, right? If if I use big data to and when I enter Facebook, I get the things that I'm more likely to open that I like and the music that I, you know, want to hear when I go to Spotify and same Netflix and go, et cetera, then how do we make the people to... Learn new to, things. Yeah, to learn new things, to stay um, curious. How, how do we... And, and I think we'll need to inject some kind of mutations to ensure, and that's part of responsible AI and machine learning, right? And to inject mutations, to make sure that people are staying curious and not just being in their own uh, specific beliefs and location and people, and that would be my... It's a great answer. I could really relate to this. I have a, I have a friend of mine who's uh, he's created an app for music, like a Spotify or something like this, but it's different in that there's a little button you could push if you're in an exploratory mode. So... Yeah. We won't just say serve up the things you probably like or like the last time. We're going to serve up things that you've never heard before if you just want to try something different. I like it, but it needs to be across. Uh, yes. That's a great uh, example, but uh, that, that's my concern because you can really make everything easier, comfortable, predicted, but people are you know, curious by nature, so we need to keep that as well. It's beautiful. So third and last question, artificial intelligence, AI. Friend or foe? Yeah, so uh, listen, uh, I would say both. I, I think you heard this answer already, but I, I want to explain a bit more. I see it as a capability, right? And as a amazing, amazing technology with so many opportunities. But that was true also when books came out, right? You can write hate books that can lead to very bad things, but 98% of the books are done for good things. So I would say both, but generally it's going to be a friend. And we, the friend side of the house needs to make sure that the foe is, is very limited. Mm. And that's how I, you know, me and my team and everyone aspire to, should aspire to do. Well, Matan, thank you again for being here. Uh, obviously, the timing's incredible with all that you guys have going on. And uh, I look forward to our continued discussions in the future. Same here. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Matan Parnas, a brilliant guy. 
I learned a ton and I hope you enjoyed it too. We'll be back soon with a new episode of The Q Factor. Make sure to subscribe to get it delivered right to your feed. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to give us a good rating. That'll encourage our robot overlords to give our show a push out into the world. Thanks again for listening. I'm Greg Fisher. See you next time on The Q Factor. Greg Fisher is founder and portfolio manager of Quent Capital, a registered investment advisor. Economic and market views and forecasts stated by Mr. Fisher or Quent Capital are current as of the date of this podcast and are subject to change without notice. This presentation is not intended to be a solicitation of any kind. It is for general informational purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views of the guests that appear on the Q Factor are their own and may not reflect the views of Mr. Fisher or Quent Capital.